Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Code. I'm your host, Ashley Coffee. Coffee and Code is your weekly rundown for the latest top tech news from around the world delivered every Wednesday. On my show, you'll find a mix of the latest tech news from around the world, including emerging tech, privacy, cybersecurity, and more, including interviews with experts, innovators, and everyday tech tips to level up your life. Subscribe to Coffee and Code to be notified when episodes go live. You can also find me on Twitter at AshleyCoffee underscore and on Instagram at AshleyRCoffee89. Thanks for listening and welcome to Coffee and Code. Today, I'll be talking about LastPass and how they will be restricting users to only one type of device starting next month, Reddit's 2020 transparency report, and how Microsoft is expanding their accessibility efforts. Let's dive in. LastPass will restrict free users to only one type of device starting next month. One of the most attractive features of the popular password manager LastPass is that if you choose to, you can use it pretty effectively without paying a dime. And unfortunately, that comes to an end in March, as LastPass has just announced that its free tier will be restricted to only one device type starting next month. LastPass works across nearly every platform, from Android to iOS to Windows to Mac, and that's what makes it useful. For the most part, the services we use today are available on multiple platforms, so being able to use the service on both your mobile phone and your desktop or laptop computer is crucial to most users. Starting on March 16th, 2021, exactly, one month away, LastPass will start restricting its free service to only one device type, meaning those who sign up will be required to pick between accessing the service on their computer or their smartphone. The letter also includes LastPass access on tablets and smartwatches. You'll pick a quote, active device type to decide on where you'll use the service. For current free users, the first device type you log into after March 16th will set your active type. You'll have three chances to pick between device types before the choice is locked in. After that, you'll need to sign up for LastPass Premium to access the service on two different platforms. Further, LastPass will also restrict some support options starting on May 17th. Email support, most notably, will be restricted only to premium customers and those with a LastPass family account. Free users will then be limited only to the LastPass Support Center for self-help resources. And it looks like LastPass Premium starts at 
$3 a month when billed annually. Interesting here. Um, I remember when LastPass first came on the scene along with 1Password. That was a popular one. And I remember how popular these uh, password app managers were. And <clears throat> LastPass has been really great. I understand why they're having to discontinue their free use it's because everyone's using it. Um, I personally use iCloud Keychain. That's just work. what works for me. I work across, I work in an Apple ecosystem by choice. And yeah, that, that takes care of my needs. I primarily use uh, Safari as a web browser. I use Chrome as well and Firefox for, for their privacy um standards which i enjoy but the, the password just having the ability to go into my phone and reference a password i don't mind doing that if i can't pull up my password and um, firefox on a different device but i i just feel like native password de device managers are, are kind of the way to go for this very reason um because if you're you know if you have all your stuff in, in one place you are kind of locked down um but having a password manager is a good idea highly recommend it um do not get one of those password books i've seen them uh borders or not borders uh barnes and noble it's a physical book that says passwords don't do this friends <laughs> passwords are, are important and they're sensitive and if someone gets their hands on that book if you leave it somewhere who knows um your information could be at risk so practice safe password management and update your passwords on a at least yearly basis if not quarterly reddit's transparency report shows a big spam problem and relatively few government requests Reddit has published its transparency report for 2020, showing various numbers relating to removed content, government requests, and other administrative actions. The largest problem by far in terms of volume is spam, which is made up of nearly all content taken down. Legal requests for content taken down and user information were far fewer, but not trivial in number. The full report is quite readable, but a bit long. The main points to understand, I will talk you through. So of nearly 3.4 billion pieces of content created on Reddit, which is to say things like posts, comments, hosted images, and so on, 233 million were removed. These numbers are both up by 20 to 30 percent from 2019. Of those 233 million, 133, 131, excuse me, 131 million were proactive removals by the AutoMod system, and 13.6 million were removed after user reports by subreddit moderators. The remaining 85 million were taken down by Reddit admins, and 99.76% of these were spam or content manipulation, like brigading and astroturfing, with around 50,000 each of harassment. 
hate and sexualization of minors, smaller amounts of violent speech, doxing, and so on. 82,858 subreddits were removed, nearly four times more than 2019. The majority of these were for lack of moderation, followed by hate, harassment, and ban evasion. When it came to removing comments, hate, violence, and harassment were much more prevalent, and 92% of private messages removed of about 25,000 total were for harassment. Outside of spam and content manipulation, hate speech resulted in far more bans than any other infraction. More accounts were permanently banned for hate in 2020 than for all causes combined in 2019. Government requests to remove content were relatively few. Overall, Reddit received a couple hundred requests, covering about 5,000 pieces of content or subreddits. For example, 753 subreddits had their access restricted to Pakistani users due to anti-obscenity laws there. Requests from individuals or companies to remove things numbered in the hundreds and copyright takedown notices asked for about half a million pieces of content to be removed, more than twice of 2019's. Only a handful of DMCA counter notices were received. Law enforcement came to Reddit 611 times for user information, up 50% from last year, and the company granted 424 of those requests. These aren't mostly subpoenas, court orders, and search warrants. Since Reddit isn't really a social network, and accounts can essentially be anonymous or throwaway, it's hard to say what level of disclosure this actually represents. Emergency disclosure requests numbered about 300 and were mostly complied with. These are supposedly life or death situations in which a Reddit account is concerned. Lastly, Reddit received somewhere between 0 and 249 secret requests for data, targeting somewhere between 0 and 249 users, the same as last year. Sadly, federal law prohibits them from saying any more than this regarding FISA visa orders and national security letters. Overall, the picture painted of Reddit in 2020 is of a growing community plagued by spam and inauthentic activity, plus a significant and growing contingent of hate, harassment, and other prohibited content. Lacking much fundamental access to or use of personally identifiable data, Reddit isn't much of a target for three-letter agencies and law enforcement. And with free speech-focused alternatives to Reddit and other platforms popping up, it's likely that the hate and harassment that were deplatformed will roost elsewhere in 2021.
Microsoft starts new program to help make more accessible games. Players with disabilities will test games and give feedback. Microsoft is expanding its accessibility efforts with a new program for evaluating Xbox and PC games. Today, its gaming accessibility team announced that developers can send their games to be evaluated for accessibility and tested by players with disabilities. The program was announced alongside updates to the Xbox accessibility guidelines that were released in early 2020. Developers now have the option to send Microsoft their Xbox or PC title and have it analyzed and validated against the recommendations provided in the XAGs. The Xbox accessibility guidelines include thorough explanations of inclusive design considerations for developers, and they are now updated to include clearer language, additional context, and implementation examples. Game test reports will include feedback from players with disabilities, as well as links to information on inclusive design, relevant nonprofits, and accessibility experts. Any issues found during testing will be noted with reproduction steps, screenshots, and other information to help the developer understand what aspect of a given experience may be challenging for certain gamers with disabilities. More companies have been focusing on game accessibility in the recent years, including Microsoft with the Xbox Adaptive Controller, but there are still few high-profile examples besides The Last of Us Part Two. A program like this could potentially lead to more games with a similarly wide variety of accessibility options. It's also significant for players with disabilities to be able to provide insight rather than being left unconsidered or designed for without their input. This is really interesting. I'm so glad that accessibility is becoming a topic that people, everyone is listening to. I think it's always been incredibly important, but especially in the technology world, we're just starting to see, I feel like the industry really agree that these, these design considerations need to be a priority for everyone. Um, there are no official guidelines or standards for developers other than the guidelines that are currently being worked on by great organizations such as the XRA Association. Um, they have a chapter on accessibility guidelines for designing for immersive experiences. You can find that at xra.org. Um, this is a great nonprofit. If you are interested in accessibility and specifically accessibility and technology, that is a great organization to be involved with. I'm currently involved with them. There are some amazing people. Um, I attended the XR Access Symposium actually in July of 2019 at Cornell Tech. Um, and in that time, we broke out into groups and the specific group that I was in was called Framework for the Future. And we really talked through what the tangible things that we need to be thinking through in a design mindset for um, designing inclusive and um, equitable experiences for all. So again, XRA.org is a great resource to check out. 
It's time for your weekly tech tip. This tech tip is for all the iPhone users out there that like closed captioning titles or subtitles. This is actually a built-in feature into your iPhone as long as you're updated to the latest iOS. Currently it's 14.4, I know 14.5 is coming soon. Um, but to get to this feature, you're going to open up settings and then you're going to scroll down to accessibility. And from here, you can see how these accessibility features are organized based on hearing, vision, physical, and motor, and general. The subtitles and captioning is going to be under the hearing category. And if you tap on that, you can turn on the switch that when available prefers um, closed captioning or subtitles and basically it will enable that for you so if you prefer closed captioning um, this is a great little uh, tip to have on um, especially if you want to carry that across different um, applications that you are viewing content and since this is natively built in, if it is available, um, they will appear, the, the closed captioning and subtitles. Uh, not everything has it, unfortunately, uh, but this is a great step in the right direction. If you like this tech tip or if you've used this tech tip and you found it useful, let me know. Drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed today's episode of Coffee and Code, head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave a rate and review. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe to be notified when new episodes go live every Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Coffee and Code, and I'll see you next week.